I want to thank y'all. Uh, I've been here, uh, Allie and I have been here as your uh, interim pastor for, I guess, nine or ten weeks now. And I want to thank you. And I, I don't do this every service, but I really want you to know how grateful I am that, that you guys have been so kind to us. Uh, it is, it's been refreshing. Um, uh, you got, this church is super loving. Like, and I, I don't mean like, like, nobody's paying me to say that. Like, like that is, that is, uh, you're paying me for other things, but not, not to say that. I, I'm not going to lie to you. You guys have been super kind. Um, this is, I can say this without lying to you. This is a, a super sweet fellowship. Uh, and I'm excited for what the Lord is doing here and how the Lord is working uh, here. Uh, we've had folks come up to us after every service and thank, you know, thank me for, uh, for the sermon and for uh, preaching God's truth and God's word. Let's just see if that continues after today's sermon. <laughs> if you went ahead and read Numbers chapter 11. All right, look, look, let's just throw this out there, okay? Some sermons are super fun to preach, okay? Like I love preaching on heaven. I love preaching on God's, God's faithfulness. Like on, um, I love preaching on like the resurrection and the stone being rolled away. I love preaching things that will get amens because that's fun for me, okay? I, like I love that. Some sermons are super encouraging uh, to, to preach and to hear, uh, you know, about God's sovereignty in the hard times that he'll never leave us or forsake us and, and things like that. And then there's sermons like this week. Some you just got to get through um, because it's important that, that we hit some of, the, some of the hard topics. I, I kind of hate it that Paul told Timothy that all, that all Scripture is God-breathed, and I, I say that facetiously, um, because you know, it would be much easier for me to do kind of like Thomas Jefferson did. Thomas Jefferson carried around a Bible, uh, and he would, he, would, he would open his Bible, he would teach from his Bible, uh, he would carry it around, but what he did is he took a pen knife and he, he would cut the portions of, of the Bible he didn't agree with. He would cut those portions out. So, so that when he lifted up his Bible and he said, I believe, in, I believe that every word in this Bible is true, it's because it was only the ones he truly believed in and he didn't want to lie to you. Um, I don't really know how to, I don't know how to, how to move forward out of that. Uh, here's the thing. Paul did tell Timothy that all scripture is God breathed. All 66 books of the Bible. All, right. All scriptures God breathed, which means that, that the hard, there are hard passages like, uh, like, like sinfulness and, and approaching sinfulness about, um, about the, the really tough things in this life, like addiction and, and, um, and sexual sin and, and th things that we just don't want to hear, things that we don't want to talk about, things that quite honestly are not very zesty to get into uh, in a 30-minute sermon. But the thing is, church, they're there. And so you have to deal with them even when, when they're difficult. So we're going to be in, in Numbers 11 uh, both this week and next week. And next week is going to be much more fun, I promise you. Uh, but we do need to get through some of this. I want to offer a caveat. So if, like Craig said, if this is your first time or maybe it's your first time in a long time, you're like, you know what? We're going to get up and go to, go to Fort Caroline today. I'm so glad you're here. I need to put a caveat. If you're watching online and you're like trying to figure out, you know, is Fort Caroline the place we want to plant our lives? Um, uh, Please don't hear what I'm not saying in the sermon today. All right, I want you to hear, hear this caveat because we're going to get into complaining and grumbling today. We've done that. We've hit on it a little bit in this series, uh, but, and, and, and rightfully so. But I want to offer this caveat today that, that I truly believe, and I mean this with every fiber of my being, that, that, this, that the, the complaining epidemic that you see in so many evangelical churches today is not the problem here that it is elsewhere. That doesn't mean it can't, can't become that. 
And so for us to deal with it on the front end, do I believe that, that, that there are people in this church that probably do complain from time to time? And of course I do. You know why? Because we're Christians. And I hate to say that like that's the reason, but, but for some reason, like we should be the happiest people on earth. Like, like the, the Disney people say it's the happiest place on earth. That should be church. Like it should always be church. And while, while it's not always, like we don't always come in feeling happy and go lucky and all that. We, you know, there's that old song, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart, down in my heart. Um, you know, we should have that as believers every day. And here's why. Because, because the sin debt that we could not pay, the, the price that were, was required to redeem us out of our sinfulness was paid by Jesus once for all and forever. All right. If anybody is going to be excited about life and about the prospect of living life and facing every single day, it should be believers. That ain't always the case. For some reason, because of our redeemed status, sometimes that tends to translate itself into a sense of entitlement. Okay, see, I told you. Tori, we ain't getting amens today. Today's going to be tough. It's going to be on you, Okay. All right, so thank that's what I'm talking about. All right, but I want us to address it. I want us to address it today, so that it doesn't become an issue. And and maybe like you're like, why is he preaching this? Like I don't ever get that way at church. Some do, and some people are sad. Some people are are mad. Some people just generally take the the angry part of their their week and they bring it in and they let it manifest here. All right, church, you're, you're about you're about to find a new pastor. Like, you're, you're going to do a survey, and, and let me encourage each of you, if you are a member or regular attender of Fort Caroline Baptist Church, take the survey. All right, now, if, if you put down that you want a 42-year-old uh, guy with a master's degree who is, has two and a half kids uh, and, you know, and, and, and likes, I don't know, the Gators or, I, yeah, I know, I, I, I hate being divisive like that, but... Like if that's if that's what you come out with, and and you wind up hiring a forty eight year old guy with no kids and who's 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 a Seminoles fan, and I'll forgive y'all, but like you know, you know it it is what it is. It doesn't mean that just because you take the survey doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get exactly what you want and thus gives you a reason to complain. But it does mean that everybody in the church gets a voice. Now the voice that is the loudest to the pastor search committee is the voice of the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean that, that they don't want to hear from you, okay? And so I would encourage each of you, if you are a regular attender, if you're not, I love y'all, don't take it, all right? But if you are a, a regular attender or a member or a first of, of uh, Fort Caroline, um, take, the, take the, uh, the survey. All right, so some sermons are a little bit harder to preach. That's kind of where we are today, all right? So we're going to be in Numbers 11. Um, I am super excited about where this church is headed. I, I, the Love Jacks events, seeing y'all put up your photos and all the things that y'all have been doing. Um, to see a church that's missional, that is outwardly focused, that is not inwardly focused. They're not, you're, not, you're not trying to be keepers of the, aquari the aquarium. You're trying to be fishers of men. That's the, the Great Commission. I love it. Um, as we, we go about this today, let's go about it with, with the, the right vein in mind, okay? All right, so you're going to find a thread that runs through this passage in Numbers 11. And, and the thread is going to be the thread of complaining. Now, I, I was trying to find a way to explain it because it would be easier just to brush it off as complaining that it is for what it is. Then I started looking at the Hebrew and what the, the, the Hebrew meant, the, the original context when Moses wrote it. And 
And, and it was really interesting. So the Hebrew word for complaining or from, from complain or grumble that we find in this passage and throughout uh, the Old Testament is the, the Hebrew word hapo, hapo. Uh, and you may think, man, that's really great, hapo. Uh, it's, it's what it sounds, it's actually not a word. It's actually a more of a sound, all right? And it, it, it translated, and over time, it kind of transliterated its way into grumbling or complaint. And this is what it sounds like. Maybe you didn't get that online. It's like, like. All right, let's, let's try something you would complain about if I said in a sermon, okay? Now, mind you, this is not what I believe. This is to, to get a, a reaction out of you, all right? Um, starting next Sunday, we're not going to use the Bible as our, uh, as our, our basis for, for how we, we preach and teach sermons at this church. Some of y'all can be like, <laughs> right? All right, uh, starting, starting Sunday, we're going to need you to bring your tax returns. All right, yeah, that's right. All God's people said amen, right? All right. All right. And we're, we want to see your tax returns. We want to see, we want to see how much you're, real, you're really making, okay? So that we would know how much you're going to give, right? And you're like, <laughs> and then what do you do, all right? All right, starting next Sunday at Fort Caroline Baptist Church, we're not going to have nursery or kids' church anymore. We're just going to all pile in here and, and do life family style. Yeah, girl, you know it. All of a sudden, you see Tori out in the hallway going, it is literally a rolling of the uvula. It is, it literally, the word hapo is <clears throat> over time. See, that's our natural response when we hear something that is so asinine that we want to, that, that we want to just, you know, we just, I can't believe, I cannot believe he said that, right? And what do you do? You leave out of here. You, you may be nice and kind and considerate in here. You go into the hallway, you go into the parking lot, you go to Golden Corral, and, and what do you do? You go, you can, that, what started off as, <clears throat> became, can you believe he said that? I can't believe he said that. How dare he say that? Does he not know? He doesn't know what it's like to corral my kids in church, right? I mean, my kids are little angels, but what about their kids? And it becomes, what happened is over time, it became less of a, I, I, I can't do that very, very many more times where I'm gonna need something to drink. Um, it, it became less, about the noise, and, and the, the noise, the kind of the guttural noise that was made became a word, complaining. Okay. Today's big idea is this, okay? Because let me tell you what the, what the title of today's sermon is. Because I kept trying to find something catchy that would that make y'all smile and laugh. You won't be doing that much for this sermon. All right, is this. Nobody likes complainers. I wish I could lie to you and tell you something else. Like some people just like, nobody that matters likes complainers. Okay, and that's, that is the, the God's honest truth, all right? It, it, is, it is a, complaining, and this is today's big idea, complaining is, is like a virus. I know we're tired of hearing about virus in our culture, but complaining is like a virus, all right? It is, complaining in a church is unbelievably destructive and it's incredibly contagious. And, and so I want us to do that so that doesn't become a thing at Fort Caroline. Like almost like you're, you're putting on the full armor of God to, to keep yourself from that type of behavior or that type of mindset. But I'm telling you, it just, it, it, it sweeps through churches, especially churches that are in times of transition or times of uncertainty. And so it's a long uh, introduction today because I want us to get into, I want us to set the foundation for it so you don't tune out and just say, well, you, you know, this is a hit piece, okay? That's not what this is. This is, hopefully, this is not prescriptive, 
Okay, this, this is not like, like where you get a prescription to treat an infection. This is, I'm hoping this is going to be like, like uh, an immunization to keep you from getting this type of behavior from, from, from seeping into the church. All right, so let's read number, Numbers 11. It's a big chunk. It's 23 verses. All right, next week won't be that big. All right, but I feel like we need to read it so you get the full context. And then we're going to, uh, then, then we're going to go on together uh, today. All right. He says, and the people complained, huh, it take long. The people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. All right, let's stop there for a second. We're not talking about it. They are in the desert. Okay. There ain't no trees to burn. Okay. They, when it says that it consumes some of the outlying parts of the camp, it consumes some of the outlying people in the camp. Um, don't, don't miss what the, when the anger of the Lord burns hot, his, his wrath is not something to be messed with. All right, let's keep going. So then the people cried out to Moses and Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. What would they do without Moses? I mean, Moses is like, he is the whipping boy. He just goes to the Lord and says, look, they didn't mean it. Okay, and like, like if we could just kind of keep it from, from, from escalating, it'll, they're going to be fine. Okay, I mean, I, I, I love Moses for that. Um, so, so the, the name of that place was called Tabera, uh, because the fire of the Lord, uh, burned among them. Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we collect or that we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. We were slaves, but it cost nothing. Uh, the cucumbers, uh, the melons, the leeks, the onions and the garlic. Actually, it sounds pretty good. Um, so, but now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all uh, but this manna that the Lord provided to look at. Now, the manna was like coriander seed and its appearance like that of bdellium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in hand mills and, or beat it in mortars and boiled it in pots and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was like the taste of cakes baked with oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp at night, the manna fell with it. And Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord blazed hotly and Moses was displeased. Moses said to the Lord, why have you dealt ill with your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I, did I conceive all this, all this people? Did I give them birth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing child to the land that you swore uh, to give their fathers? This is very, this, this is deep. Like, like he, he's like, he's not blaming the Lord here. Have, have you ever just like the circumstances of life just gotten so crazy that you, you just go, go, Lord, I'm tired. You ever just gotten tired? And you say, Lord, why is all this happening? That's kind of where Moses is. All right. He said, verse, uh, verse 13 said, where am I to get, uh, get meat to give all this people for they weep before me and say, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to carry all, the, all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. If you will treat me like this, kill me at once. <laughs> I've been there. He said, if I find favor in your sight that I may not see my wretchedness. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people, and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there, and I will take some of the spirit that is on you and put it on them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you may not bear it yourself alone. And say to the people, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, and you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, Who will give us this meat to eat? For it was better for us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. You shall not, not eat just one day, or two days, or five days, or ten days, or twenty days, but a whole month until it comes out at your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you. This sounded like a great plan. He said, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we come out of Egypt? But Moses said, the people among who I am, am number 600,000 on foot. And you have said, I will give them meat that they may eat a whole month. Shall flocks and herds be, be slaughtered for them and be enough for them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered for them and be enough for them? And the Lord said to Moses, is, is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you shall see whether my word will come true for you or not. Here's what I ask from us this morning as we spend this remaining time together. I ask that we examine this passage, examine this story carefully, and see from it some of the lessons it has to teach us about a grumbling or complaining attitude. Three things I want us to look, about when it, look at when it comes to complaining within the context of the local church. Number one, complaining displeases the Lord. Now, you may be looking at this, you may not, and you may think, well, the Lord's just being kind of angry about this. He, he, he probably should, you know, just simmer down. Number one, I don't know that it's a great idea to tell the Lord how to feel, but, but that, that may be, you, you may look at it going, man, what's he getting all bent out of shape for? Like, it's just the people. We, well, here's what we see. Look, look at, at, at verse 1. It says, and the people complained in the hearing of the Lord. It didn't even tell us what they were complaining about. But that's why it's important that we look at the context of the next verses. We, we can't appreciate what's happening in the story if we can't call to mind the, all the things that happened before it. So let's talk about how God had provided for them. Now, mind you, they are complaining. At every turn, they're complaining. They're <clears throat> I can't believe you let us out into the desert. <clears throat> right? He led them out of slavery. Led them through the Red Sea. Well, I know we do this every week, but it's important for us to take inventory. All right? He healed the bitter water at Merah and made it sweet. Gave them manna to eat. Had Moses strike a rock and fresh water comes flowing out of it. All right? That's just what we've looked at. Like, that's just, just where we were. Since, since last week, we have fast-forwarded over a year. And so what's happened since then? Since we read this particular passage, uh, and, and this year has passed, Moses, could remember, remember Mount Oreb, where, I'm sorry, uh, Oreb was, on, was at the base of Mount Sinai. So Moses was going to ascend uh, to Mount Sinai. He was going to be around the glory of the Lord, and that God was going to give him the law, right? He comes down, he comes down with, the, uh, uh, with the Ten Commandments. So he gave his people the law. He gave them the Simpson, he gave them the tabernacle. So that it's not just a matter of following a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He's given them a tabernacle, a place for them to go, a place that is represented, which by the way, everything in the tabernacle and the temple and the, the Solomonic temple, everything points to Jesus. And I love that. All right. 
but he gave them this, this tabernacle where they could walk in. It's like this movable tent that allowed them to, to commune more closely with him. It gave the Ark of the Covenant a place to sit. He gave them this priesthood that would care for their spiritual needs. He gave, he's given them an army that would care for their physical needs as far as their, their protection. Friend, God always, has always provided. He's provided for them, and he's always provided for us. Now, it's not always the way that we planned. That's where the rub comes in. Sometimes, and this is a constant theme, and I don't just repeat things just for the fun of it, but church, sometimes God allows us to walk through hard times. Don't miss this. Sometimes God has to wreck your world to save your life. We don't have to suffer in vain. God allows us to walk through hard times, but for the believer in Christ, it's not in vanity. It, every time we walk through a hard time, we learn just a little bit more about the mercy and grace that God offers. We come to know him just a little bit more. In the broken pieces of our life, we find peace and purpose and hope and sufficiency and providence in the Lord Jesus. And so as we look at these first few verses, we see that God hears the of his people. What I love is, and here's how I know it. I, I love that they thought that they could complain and God wouldn't hear them. How do we know? Complaining, as a rule, doesn't happen in this room. It happens in the corner of small group rooms. It happens in the parking lot. It happens in the darkness. Because nobody's going nobody's to do it in here. It's always going to happen in the edges. And so when the Lord's wrath burned hot, there were some in the outer extremities who got burned. Why is that important? Because we see that God wasn't burning hotly for no reason. It just means that, that his justice is, is fair and is sure. And so, so he hears their complaining. And now with each complaint, he grows more and more and more angry. James the half-brother of Jesus wrote to the church and he, he said this. In James chapter 5 and verse 9, he said, don't grumble. The Greek here, when you, when you read the Septuagint, which is, which is the Greek rendering of the, of the Hebrew Old Testament, it's the same word. He said, don't grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. He, he said, behold, the judge is standing at the door. The problem with complaining, church, is that we talked about this a little bit last week. When we complain, when we grumble about something that we don't like and pick something, okay? I'm, I'm, I used some extreme examples at the very beginning. There are things that are not that extreme that we find to complain about, and here's why. Because at some point in 2,000 years of churchdom, of Christendom, we have meshed that which is theological with, with, with that which is traditional. And we've blurred the lines and we can't, 
there comes a point where you can't make out the difference. I would encourage you as a body of Christ to take those tentacles and pick them apart. Hold with a closed fist that which is theological and hold with an open fist that which is preferential. Uh, one of my seminary professors uh, once said, he's uh, uh, Dr. Elmer Towns, who uh, co-founded Liberty University with Dr. Jerry Falwell. Um, he, sa- he said this, he said, methods are many, principles are few. Methods may change, but principles never do. We, we stick to the principles, the things we don't argue over, the, the inspired stuff. Everything else is kind of up for grabs. Complaining, though, it disappoints the Lord. It also disrupts the focus. Look at verse 4. He says, now, the rabble. All right, let's talk about what rabble is. All right, because that is not a very 21st century America word. All right, so let's talk about, about who the rabble is. I think we kind of had this idea that it was, it was like the unclean people, like the kind of the, the lower, you know, rung of, of like the outcasts of society, et cetera. That's not really what it was. Um, so there, there weren't just Israelites that were walking through the desert. I didn't know this until recently. Um, they wound up picking up stragglers. And some of those stragglers were indigenous to the lands that they were walking through. And so what they would have is like you'd have God's people. And people would go, man, why are, why are so many people walking through the desert? We'll go too. Like you may be that free spirit that's just going to pick up and like, like, you know, you know, like Forrest Gump, like run across the country two or three times and just, you know, camp on the side of the road. That may be you. I love that. All right. There were people like that in the Exodus. And they, they, were, they were not Israelites. They were non-Jews that were, that, that were um, picked up from the, kind of the, the side of the road. All right. They didn't have the same affection for the Lord. They, didn't, they had not been spared God's judgment the way that, that the Israelites had. They had not been delivered from slavery the way that they... And so they didn't understand all that God had already done. And they were seeing some of the things that they didn't like. Like they weren't even truly engaged into what the Exodus was all about. They didn't know about a land of milk and honey. Uh, they just knew that people were walking and they wanted to go with them. And then all of a sudden they realized that they're going to places that have no water. They're going to places that have no food. And so they, they're complaining. They were some of the ones that were camped on the outside. And what they started doing, they started running their mouth. It's the rabble. He says, the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. Church, can I tell you something about the world? The world are they're not very happy people. Now, part of that is they don't have the joy, 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 joy down in their hearts, down in their hearts today, (laughs) like the church does. But they have no problem voicing their displeasure. And look, social media has made made it easy to voice your displeasure behind the, the anonymity of a computer screen. But if the church is leaning into the crazy of the world, it will seep into the body. And so he says, the rabbis among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and began to grumble. So they began to complain, oh, that we had meat to eat. Oh, do you remember Egypt? Man, we had fish, we had cucumbers, we had garlic. We just got, we just got manna. It tastes like coriander seed and cake. Man, what I wouldn't give to be in slavery again. Right? The people who had not been a part of God's provision were beginning to affect the people who had. And it disrupted their focus, which was the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. 
Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 14 and 15, the writer says, Strive for peace with everyone. It doesn't say maintain peace at all costs. Sometimes, church, you just got to fight. Some things in this world are worth fighting for. And that's why he goes on and he says, for the ho- And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. Here's my my encouragement to you today. You want to be happy in church life? Stay out of the corner of life group rooms and the corner of hallways and the corner of parking lots. Mama always told me, nothing, happens, nothing good happens after midnight. I had to become an older man who didn't stay up until midnight to learn that. We're, we're the people that watch net, the Netflix um, where they do the ball drop at 9 p.m. On, on New Year's Eve. I used to be able to make it. I don't make it no more. I watch Netflix and I go to bed like you should. Stay out of the dark places. If you, if you walk around campus and you see people in the corners, there's a good chance they're talking about me, they're talking about your pastors, they're talking about things they don't like. That doesn't end up well. Someone that wants to gossip under the guise of a prayer request is no friend to you. Stay away from from those areas. Don't be defiled by the root of bitterness. And can I speak to you in love this morning? If that's you, if you're the one who is doing the talking, in the words of Bob Newhart, stop it. Just stop it. And I wish there was a way I could sugarcoat it to where you didn't leave angry. There's, there is none. Quit it. You're hurting the body. I'm the interim, I can say that. But church, don't allow the critical few to dictate the narrative of what the Lord is doing or is not doing at Fort Caroline Baptist Church. Let's let's be careful who we do listen to. So I'm not going to tell you just to not listen to those voices. I'm going to tell you who to to listen to. Listen to the Lord. Follow the Lord. Be on guard against a complaining spirit. And focus on the things the Lord would have you to focus on. Complaining disappoints the Lord. It disrupts the focus and it also demeans the work. If you start looking at verses 10 following, quite honestly, and as a pastor, can I, can I share with something that if you're not a pastor, you may not get, okay? The, the last two years have been tough on everybody. Let's just be honest. The, since March of 2020, life has just been more difficult for all of us. It's been tough on pastors and let me tell you why. Uh, you're seeing a resignation rate of pastors at an astronomical rate that now it is actually being given a title. It's being called the Great Resignation. Pastors are leaving full-time ministry and local church work in droves. And let me tell you why. Because while trying to maintain sanity in their families and trying to maintain sanity in their own spiritual walk, walking through the crazy of the last two years with COVID and political upheaval. Um, quite honestly, in, in some people's eyes, we can't do anything right. And so ministers are deciding to leave the ministry in droves. They've dealt with their own burdens for the last two years 
And they've tried as best as they could to help shepherd you through yours. That's where Moses is. Moses has his own issues. And you've got the people that are complaining, who are grumbling, who are coming along with verse 10. I'm not just making this up. He said, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their clans, everyone at the door of his tent. Can I, can I, I, I want to share something with you. As a, as a shepherd, nothing burdens us, and I'm speaking of Joe and Matt and Craig and myself and other pastors, countless pastors around, nothing burdens us more than when our people are burdened. You think we don't hear your weeping? We do. And it burdens us. And we, this is not a nine-to-five job that, that we can just set down when the day's over. We close our laptops and go home. Man, we take this stuff to bed with us at night. We watch the ceiling fan go around and around and around and around. And in many cases, we pray for you. We, we pray for our people. We pray for our churches. Then on the back end, there are times we feel like the very best we have to offer isn't enough. Moses was burdened to the point that, that hearing, walking through the people, that's what a shepherd does, right? A shepherd walks amongst his people. Um, uh, and I think it was Charles Stanley said that a shepherd must smell like his sheep. Like, you don't want the pedestal guy who you, who you don't see other than when he's, when he's yelling at you on Sunday mornings. You want a guy that's going to be at the hospital with you, that's going to be at the funeral home with you, who is going to be there in the, in the most intimate and painful, brutal parts of your life and in the joyous parts of your life. When you've had a baby and we get to come and we get to, to shower you with love and care and compassion and concern. So here's Moses walking through the people and he hears their, their weeping. Why did, why did Moses lead us out of Egypt? Why are, we, why are we even here? I can't believe Moses did that. What a jerk can't believe the Lord would, would do that. Maybe he's not our Lord at all. And it distressed him. Moses, Moses was burdened. He was, he was even he, I, I got to believe, was moved to tears, right? And what happens to your pastors is over time, the burden of the moment leads to something that's called stinking thinking. And we talked about it a little bit last week, right, with the tunnel vision, how you can't see all the good things God's doing around you. You can only see the, the burdens that are in front of you. That happens to pastors all the time, and we now see it manifesting in the great resignation. Church, you, you've got pastors that genuinely, dearly love Jesus, and they love you. But when we complain, it demeans the work the Lord's trying to do. Look at verse 16. It says, and so God, God heard Moses. And even though he was angry at the people, he showed Moses mercy. And how does he do it? He appoints elders. He appoints men, men in the, in, in the, the group who could help shoulder the load. Church, maybe in some place, God is calling you to come alongside your pastors and to work with them. Not complain against what's going on, but to work alongside of them. To do the work of the church. To put your hand to the plow. I had a boss one time that told me, I used to work uh, over on Southside Boulevard. There used to be a place called Sun Golf. It's where I worked in college when I was at UNF. Um, and, uh, and, and my boss, our boss, the owner, his name was Scott. Scott would come down out of his, his office in the, on the second floor. And I would be leaning up against the sales counter just like this. 
and he'd walk by with a with a like a, a duster and he'd go, son, you got time to lean, you got time to clean. I'm like, man, I really hate that. Nothing's changed. Allie walks by me with a Swiffer nowadays. The fact is this, is that if our hands are to the plow, we're using all of our energy with the work that is in front of us. We don't have time to be complaining in the background. Church, complaining demeans the work. There's a difference. And you may be sitting here going, Pastor, I've got concerns. Like, I've got legitimate concerns about where we're headed. We've never been in it. We haven't been in an interim in this, in this generation in this church. I've got, I've got some legitimate concerns. Let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm not, gonna be, I'm, not, I'm not up here today to try to browbeat you and tell you that you don't have a voice, that your concerns have no merit. Let me tell you the difference between a complaint and a concern. A complaint happens in the dark places. A concern happens when you make an appointment with Matt and you sit down with him and you say, these are my concerns. I love you enough. Maybe I'm by myself. Maybe I just don't understand it right. Maybe I'm not like, you know, maybe I just need to be, be educated. But can I share with you what my concern is and let Matt deal with that. Let him speak truth into that. It may, be, it may not be truth that you like, but it will be truth. I believe that about him. Because his desire and Craig's desire and Joe's desire is for when your next pastor gets here and stands on this stage, that there's no root of bitterness between us. Verse 23, and we'll close with this. The Lord said, uh, let's see, verse 23. He says, the Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's hand shortened? He says, now you shall see whether my word will become true for you or not. The complaining of the people belied their belief, the belief they had in their minds, the thing they didn't want to admit out loud. And that was they didn't believe the Lord would care for their needs, even after everything he had done. Church, if we believe and we trust and we hope and we know that the Lord is going to do the things he says he's going to do and he's done them before, he will do them again. He will deliver us he will, and one day we'll get to see Jesus face to face for his glory and for our good. So as I close today, a couple things. One, tough sermon, I get it. Um, if you've never trusted Jesus as Savior, I believe that every word of Scripture is God-breathed. And while this wasn't a get right or get left type sermon, this is, there is no greater day for you to come to know Jesus Christ as Savior than today. I would encourage you in the back, and when, as soon as I'm, I'm done praying, a lot of folks are going to head to their, their life groups or head to, to serve in some place in our church. In the back is a place that says, what is your next step? I would encourage you to go back there and talk to Matt. He wants to tell you a little bit about what, what it means to trust and to know Jesus. But I want us to, to close out a little bit differently today. I want us to close out by praying over our staff at this church. Praying that God would empower them, that God, that God would move them out of the way. Uh, that the Holy Spirit would fill them up that they would do the work of the Lord. And I want to pray for our church that we wouldn't, and like I said, this church is, is full of joy and love, but it doesn't mean it's immune from some of the temptations to complain that's out there. Let's pray that as we walk through this, this interim time together, that that won't happen here, that the Lord would, would keep us above all that. And then we'll be dismissed today. Thank you all so much for being here. Father, we love you and we honor you. God, I thank you that you never leave us or forsake us, that you walk this road with us for your glory and for our good. God, we thank you that, that you hear us, even, even in times we probably don't want you to hear us. God, that you still hear us and that you don't turn your back on us.
that you still walk this road with us. God, I pray for this church that we would be, that we would be people who are passionately committed to reaching the community around us and the world before us. That we would make disciples who make disciples. That we, would, that we would get so busy with our hands to the plow that we wouldn't have time to look around and see things that, that we don't like. But that we can be so committed to do the work. And then all of a sudden Jesus pops up and our work on this earth is done. I pray for the pastors of this church. I pray for Matt Sparling, Craig Marsh, Joe Otwell. God, I pray that you would empower them to do the work, to lead this body faithfully and justly. And I pray for the, the next man that God has for this church and for the pastor search committee who is going to spend their time and energy and effort leaning into your sovereignty, waiting for that still, still small voice to direct them to the man you've already chosen. So, Father, be with us now as we leave. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.